Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting alongside my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field after roughly a week off, Wes, and uh, the Packers coming off of their bye week now. In this setting, we haven't had a chance to review that Monday night football victory for Green Bay over San Francisco. And boy, it was an important one because it got the Packers to 3-2-1 and one at the bye week. We all know this tough road schedule the Packers have coming up. And I tell you what, thinking back to that Monday night football game, when the Packers went for it on fourth and goal midway through the fourth quarter and didn't get it, it wasn't looking too good. No, it wasn't. <laughs> but I mean, the one thing we've always learned when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback and you make a couple stops on defense, comebacks can always happen, That's and they right. happen once again in this game. Uh, what, what stands out to me the most about it uh, going into the bye week and now into this matchup with the Rams was the Packers, and, and I think Devontae Adams talked about it afterwards, when they need points, when they need yards, they can get them. Uh, that's really been the biggest thing. They, they have had their times where it's been you know, tough going, but for the most part, they've been able to get production when they need it most. And I think the fact that I believe now they're fourth in total offense in the league right now kind of signifies that certainly want to be able to finish off some of those drives a little bit more not you know play a little bit cleaner mistake-free football cut down on the penalties but to be three two and one to weather some of the storms that they did to get to this point I think is really important and in my biggest takeaway honestly from that game was the fact that they got Jimmy Graham going you saw what he could do in the open field mm -hmm. they had three guys all go over 100 receiving yards in that contest and at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers just made some magical things happen once again. Yeah, some statistical things in case anybody missed it in the aftermath. Aaron Rodgers throws for 425 yards. He actually becomes the first Packers quarterback in team history to throw for more than 400 yards in back-to-back -back games. And you mentioned the three receivers going over 100 yards, Devontae Adams, Jimmy Graham, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling all go over 100. And that was the first time the Packers had done that. I believe it was 1980. 1981, against the, I believe it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, against, the, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So um, some neat statistical things there. But also, Wes, I tell you what, if anybody in the NFL has ever gone from the outhouse to the penthouse in eight days, boy, what a night for Mason Crosby yeah. coming off the worst game of his career, as we had talked about in Detroit. He comes back and makes all seven of his kicks against San Francisco, including a 50-plus-yard field goal, including the game winner as a walk-off kick to get the Packers this 33-30 to victory after a, a tremendous two-minute drive put together by Aaron Rodgers and the receiving core. Just a great way for this one to end. And for anybody wondering, how's Mason Crosby going to handle things? He showed exactly how he handles it. Yeah, he handles it like a pro. Uh, he handles it like a guy who's been doing this for over a decade. Yeah. And I think if you talk to anybody in that locker room, I know at least know the guys that I did afterwards. I asked Tremont Williams about it. And he said, if you've been around Mason Crosby long enough, you know the way he's built and what he's been through in this league. He wasn't going to let a performance like Detroit get him off of his path. Yeah. He was going to reset. He was going to correct what he needed to do. And he was going to go out there and hit the football. Now, the one thing that you can't mistake, though, is the fact that Mason Crosby said it was probably one of the, the longest weeks of his career as a kicker. I'm there sure. was a lot to think about. Uh, you and I saw it before the game. He was the first guy from the Packers' sideline that was down on the field, uh, just walking around. Wasn't even doing any warm-ups, literally just walking 
going through his process. If there's a week he probably wanted a Thursday night game, it would have been this yeah. one after what happened on that Sunday in Detroit. I'm sure he just wanted to get out and get into another game because he knew that was the best way to put it behind and him. And he made some big kicks, man. I mean, yeah. he had the 51-yarder. Certainly they got into a really good situation with the back shoulder pass to Equinemia St. Brown on the sideline. Devontae Adams gets another catch. Makes it a chip shot field goal for him, but still, he needed to make that kick. Even before that, Mike, how important was that extra point? <laughs> when the Packers finally come back, yeah, you they have it. an opportunity to tie it. Yep. That's a really important kick. I just thought from a field goal operation standpoint, Mason Crosby being able to put Detroit in the rearview mirror and becoming the NFC Special Teams Player of the Week the following week, it's just a credit to his mental toughness as an ability to bounce back. Yeah, you mentioned the extra point that ties up the game, and we've seen since the NFL moved this extra point back to 33 yards. These are not the gimmies they were at 20 yards, and in fact, Baltimore's Justin Tucker misses the first extra point of his career. Right. 222 combined 20 yarders, 33 yarders, but 222 extra points in a row in his career, and he misses one, and Baltimore loses to the Saints 24-23. to on uh, what should have been for them what they were thinking was a tying touchdown in the last minute of the game. Packers were in that same situation. Mason Crosby makes the kick, you know, after having obviously hit the upright on an extra point the previous week in Detroit. So all of these moments, the, the, the pressure is there. And uh, obviously sometimes you come through, sometimes you don't. But what Crosby went through to then go from that performance in Detroit to the NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. That's that's going to be a, a, a memorable moment in, in, in his career, uh, in a very decorated career. And the thing you got to remember, too, is just how much he means to this team, how much he means to Mike McCarthy. You heard Aaron Rodgers talk about him. You saw the, the clip of him at the Detroit game just coming and kind of, you know, mussing up his hair a little bit and just trying to, you know, tell him, you know what, we got you. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Things like this happen. It's a tough game. The thing I go back to, though, Mike, is stability at kicker to me is still one of the most important things in the NFL today. And, and it has to be a good kicker. I'm not saying just stand by a guy who's making <laughs> six out of every ten. Right. But you see these teams where I, I think the best example, this isn't to throw the Bears under the bus, but the best example is what happened with Robbie Gold. They made a decision that it was time to move on from him. Gold ends up going to San Francisco and has this resurgence in his career because the reality is it's not easy to kick in the NFC North. It's not easy to take a, a kicker that's never been in those elements and just throw him out there and expect the best. It's a tough, tough climate to be a participant in if you're kicking the ball. And Aaron Rodgers discussed how Gold and, and Mason Crosby are two of the best to ever do it. Yeah, The Packers have been through a lot of wars with Mason Crosby, and staying with him through all that ultimately has helped them win a lot of those games. Yeah, well, again, looking back at this San Francisco game, on the defensive side of the ball for the Packers, once again, it was kind of a good news, bad news situation in that the bad news is they were up and down the first half was not the type of defense the Packers want to play. The second half was. But this defense has not been able to iron out those inconsistencies just yet. You hope, okay, the bye week, some guys maybe get healthier. You're going to be facing, you know, obviously the Rams and the Patriots, two high-powered offenses these first two weeks coming out of the bye. But this Packers defense needs to, needs to find some sort of reliable level of play that the coaching staff and the rest of the team can rely upon because this uh, this roller coaster thing, quite frankly, Wes, has been going on too long. Yeah, it has. And, I mean, it's just the way that the game is structured. Obviously, uh, they, it's a very offensive football game now, so trying to figure out how you're going to be able to attack those schemes is going to be important. I, I thought, in the end, the Packers did what they needed to do in that contest defensively. 
what did we say the whole week? You have to win the turnover margin. You have yep. to win that battle. They took the ball away three times. Yeah, they did. They did finally flip that script yeah. in terms of uh, getting on the plus side in turnovers. If you're going to give up yards, if, you're, if there's going to be situations like that, you have to find ways to take away the football. And, you know, ha-ha, Clinton Dix did that uh, with the force fumble. I mean, you look at Raven Green and, you know, James Crawford getting together for one on a special teams play, stealing an early possession. Yep. Packers turned both of those into uh, six points. And Kevin King, man, I mean, he made the biggest play of his career at a time in which the Packers desperately needed it. You and I had some mixed thoughts on Bethard and the decision of Kyle Shanahan to throw there. I believe it was a third and three situation or third and five situation. Yeah, it was, th- it was third and three, I believe. Afterwards, though, Clay Matthews said that actually probably was the right call there because the Packers were kind of moving guys up. They were going to try to you know push the box a little bit, and they got single high cover or not even single high zero. It was one on one. Yeah, it was one on one with the King's corner. Just has to make that play, or it could be a potential big play. King makes it. They get the takeaway, and they're able to go and finish off that contest. That's what you need, but yes, ultimately it's still about stitching together those four quarters of complete football. The defense is still looking to do that. We'll see what this week holds for them. As of Tuesday, they will practice, but they're actually not going to be forced to submit an injury report, so it's going to probably have to wait and see how close a guy like Jair Alexander is going to be to potentially Mm -hmm. being back in the cards. But if they could get all four of those corners together, Tremont Williams and the three young guys, that would go a long way. And Bashad Breland in that conversation as well. Yeah, just to backtrack for a second, I think I think what surprised me about the 49ers clock management there on that final drive is just we've seen so many times in that situation a tie game, Aaron Rodgers is moving the team down the field, and it's not just about getting in position to get the points. It's about draining the clock right. and not giving the other team not giving the other quarterback any opportunity to come back the other way. And it just seemed like they had, I believe it was second and three even before the interception, and they were throwing the football. The Packers had no timeouts. The 49ers had all of theirs. They were in complete control of the clock and everything they wanted to do, and it just seemed like they were in this big hurry. They had a very reliable kicker in Robbie Gold, like you talked about. I was just surprised that they were that aggressive, but... That's Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, that's that. Right. That's who he is. Yeah. He's always going to to play that way. And they did get the coverage they wanted. They got the Packers in a blitz. There was no safety help. Kevin King was one on one, and and for my money, that was one heck of a play because he's got to stay with his guy. He's got to turn his head at the right time, find the football, and then he ends up hanging on to it as as the two players are crashing to the ground. And he gives Aaron Rodgers that chance to win it in regulation as opposed to possibly having to go to overtime. I've said it time and time again, and, and certainly we're gonna have to you have to wait five, ten years to to look back on drafts. But if Kevin King stays healthy, what the dimension he brings this defense, and honestly, Mike, it's one they haven't had. Because when you go back and look at their top flight corners in the past, it's guys like Sam Shields, it's guys like Tremont Williams, guys that were undrafted free agents that sort of caught people by surprise, had had some intangibles but ultimately just made their style work to what the Packers needed. And you look at a guy like, you know, obviously Charles Woodson came in with a different pedigree when they signed him. Sure. But Kevin King, I think, has a really great makeup for the position to, to be not only have all those when you look at the speed and the height and everything, but working with Joe Wood Jr., being able to hone those skills now, his ceiling, man, it's it's sky high. And now that you get guys like Jair Alexander involved and, and Josh Jackson, another draft pick, the Packers invested in those corners, and there's still things they need to do better defensively. But the future of that position is really bright for reasons like King. 
Yeah, and I want to see, as you mentioned before, how this week goes in practice with regards to the health of Jair Alexander. He's been out now with a groin injury, but if he comes back, and as you said, the Packers went into the season with, in whatever order you want to put him in, King, Williams, Jackson, Alexander as the top four cornerbacks. And Mike Pettin likes to play with four cornerbacks on the field, certainly on third downs. But we just haven't had gotten to see that combination a whole lot because of the injuries to King and Alexander. So that could be a big thing yeah. for this defense moving forward. Yeah, and you tip your cap to you know, guys like Jermaine Whitehead have been able to sort of stem the tide for them there. And, and they've had a lot of guys step up in that regard and play different spots. But I think everybody saw what Jair Alexander can do as a nickel slot cornerback and the versatility that Josh Jackson has shown being inside or outside and having that flexibility. It's really good potential for the Packers, and as you've seen with a lot of these young corners who can get better throughout the course of the season, the more work that they get, it's going to be really exciting to see. If you can get all four of them out there, yep. you know what that group can do. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, well, quickly, Wes, here's some sponsor business. At home or here in the stands, we all know that Green Bay fans give it their all, and that takes a lot of energy. So grab a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. Okay, the Los Angeles Rams are on the docket this week. They are 7-0 West, undefeated, and really announcing themselves as the team to beat in the NFC, I think, along with the New Orleans Saints. I want to get into some more detail with regards to the Rams in tomorrow's show, but it's worth looking at right now, since the Packers were off, what happened over the bye week in the NFL. I mentioned the Rams. They took care of business against the 49ers. They are 7-0. We mentioned the Saints winning by one point uh, against Baltimore with Justin Tucker's missed extra point. So the Rams, or I'm sorry, the Saints have just one loss. And, uh, and then in the NFC North, the Minnesota Vikings move back into first place with a road victory over the Jets. The Chicago Bears lose on a Hail Mary that comes up one yard short against the New England Patriots. The Bears lose by seven to fall to three and three. The Lions win and they get to three and three. So right now in the NFC North, all four teams, nobody in the NFC North is below 500 with either six or seven games on the docket. It's it's really interesting how this is taking shape. We said the division was going to be good, Michael. <laughs> we really did. And you know, and I also was mentioning too. I, I at no point did I think that the Vikings weren't real. I mean, that that, that is a real competitive football team, a team that yep. has Super Bowl aspirations that wants to finally bring a Lombardi trophy uh, to Minneapolis and the Twin Cities. And it was a good performance for them to be able to go and, and beat a Jets team that I think felt like they were getting a little bit of momentum worked in their favor. They'd turn things around. The Patriots have done exactly what I think we expected them to do, too. They bounced back from some losses early in the season. Now they're at 5-2. and two. The Bears, I'm sure, I, there's no moral victories, but I'm sure Matt Nagy's telling those guys that that's the, creme of, the cream of the crop right now in the NFL, and you've played them you know, right to the final whistle. So, Well, I think if you're the Bears, the thing that you're lamenting is not even so much the Hail Mary that yeah. comes up one yard short, but the fact that you lose to the Patriots by 7 and you gave up 14 points on special teams, right. a kickoff return for a touchdown, a block punt for a touchdown. From the offense-defense side of things, the Bears won the football game. They really were the better team in a lot of ways. The Patriots were kind of sloppy with the football with some turnovers early that gave the Bears the lead. But two special teams touchdowns 
that's awfully hard to overcome. And yeah. Mitch Trubisky did everything he could to try to overcome it, but uh, but it just wasn't to be. No, and, and the thing that I think actually surprised me the most about the Bears earlier this season is their running game really hasn't driven them as much as I thought they were going to. The last couple of weeks, they've actually put it in Trubisky's hands a lot. Yeah, uh, they're tr- they're trying to find that running game because they yeah. definitely want that to be to be a, a really strong complementary piece to their to their young up and coming quarterback, but the, that running game just hasn't found the the footing, right. so to speak, that uh, everybody expected it to have from the get go. Yeah, and Cohen's been a, a difference maker as a pass catcher, but you know, I, I think Jordan Howard, at least me, maybe I wasn't paying not close enough attention to the Bears, but I was just anticipating that he's going to be a guy that you just jot down for a thousand yards each season. Yeah, because he's going to get a hundred, you know, 200, 225 touches, and he's going to make the most out of them. They've been off to a slow start right now, so. They are three and three. It was a tough loss. They did give up some team some points on special teams, but um, it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back from that because they played them tough. But when you look at a stat sheet on them, it just wasn't didn't appear to be as close as it would, you know kind of looked. Yeah, and another big game coming up. Obviously, the Packers have a big one against the Rams, but uh, the rematch of the miracle in Minneapolis will take place on Sunday. I guess that'll be when we're flying back from LA because I believe Probably. it's Sunday night. I believe it's Sunday night yeah. football is the, uh, what I'm talking about, of course, is the saints at us bank stadium in Minnesota. Um, two, uh, two contenders rematch of last year's playoff game. That should be a, a, a pretty interesting one. Cause the Vikings now they're, you know, they're trying to get the momentum going on their side. They put up 37 points against right. the jets. The Saints are as uh, are as hot as any team except the undefeated Rams. The Saints having lost in Week One to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but they've won every game since then, including you know some really tough road victories. And this will be another tough road test for New Orleans. Yeah, the thing I love about so the Rams are just running through everybody, right? Like they're the <laughs> their offense is so complete. Uh, they they obviously do a lot of things well defensively. The Saints to me are almost like kind of they are winning games, obviously, but they're just sort of having to like scratch and claw through this entire schedule so far. They did it again in this game against the Ravens, and you, yep. you know it was an impressive performance. Obviously, Elvin Kamara is what he is, and, and you know they down some, down ten going into the fourth quarter, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, on the road they come back and win the ball game. They find ways to to get it done. So yeah, it's just. New Orleans is one of those teams that just it feels like, you know, any given week they can beat anybody and potentially any given week they could lose anybody. But they have done things well. They, they've done some good things defensively. I think they right now are tops in the league and, and run defense. So seeing how the Vikings match up with that, it, it is going to be a really good game. And the yeah. fact of the matter is, too, Mike, Kirk Cousins is the quarterback now. And the Vikings signed him because they were trying to get over that hump. Be interesting to see how he matches up with the Saints. Yeah, and if anybody's wondering just how topsy turvy this NFC might get, all you have to do is look at the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles, three and four now through seven games after yeah. blowing a seventeen to nothing lead at home to a very competitive Carolina team that has now announced itself in that NFC South along with the New Orleans Saints as hey. Here we are. You better start paying attention to us. I love that nobody's running the ball either. Isn't that great? <laughs> like, I mean, and obviously Mike McCarthy, he says he wants to get the running game more touches, and people are like, well, why aren't certain players getting these amount of reps? Like, look at this. All right, Philadelphia leading rusher was uh, small, uh, Smallwood, nine carries for 32 yards. For, for the pa- for the Panthers, it was Christian McCaffrey had seven carries for 29 yards. <laughs> the, you, I can go back to the game with the Saints and Ravens. I think the leading rusher, I mean, you had Kamara had like 12 carries, but like nobody's getting 20 carries anymore. No. It's just that isn't the game we play. Nope. Uh, but hey, here's the thing that's surprising to me about the Eagles is that for the most part, and I'm only watching from you know a distance, but 
It seems like Carson Wentz has played okay. Zach Ertz is having a career year for a tight end, it yeah. seems like. But they just have not been able to get the job done. They've faced some good opponents. I mean, their three and four record, their four losses are against some good teams. Yeah, welcome to having a first place schedule. But you got to yeah, get it done against yep. those teams. Yep. So um, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of rallying that they need to do right now. Because here's the thing: is Washington, Mike, and I know you had some reservations about them. I'm sure you still do. They're keeping themselves in this thing. They are. Dallas goes and trades for Amari Cooper. That division is competitive. So, I mean, it's, yep. it's going to cow- be... The Cowboys hit the upright on the potential yeah. game-tying field goal there, and Washington escapes with a big home victory. Yeah. So, I mean, you gotta you got to be able to pick up these wins, and you got to be able to take care of business. But I think it goes back to something you and I were saying before the bye, too. Outside of really the Rams, and obviously the Saints are off to good starts, it's wide open. Yep, it is. And that's is. why all these games have uh, you know huge significance. Yeah, it is absolutely wide open. Well, we will get to a lot more in-depth look at the Los Angeles Rams, the upcoming opponent, on tomorrow's show. But for now, we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's still at Wes Hod. I'm still at Mike Spofford. At Packers is still the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.